Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. All right, guys, so welcome to another episode of the highly acclaimed Imperfectly Perfect podcast. And like every single week, I introduce an amazing guest who's making a difference to the world. And none so more, I met this lady oh, about a month or so ago now through, through Clubhouse, this new application that we'll keep talking about on this podcast. And from an initial intro from a good friend, Jeanette, it was supposed to be probably like you do as a catch-up, maybe 10, 15 minutes. It went on for two hours. So this lady is amazing. Without further ado, I just want to run down um, Kizia Luckett. She's a highly respected positive psychologist, three times international best-selling author of the Pay It Forward series, Notes to My Younger Self, and the creator behind two revolutionary modalities, the Energy Code and Mind Conditioning Therapy, combining positive psychology, quantum physics, heart-brain coherence, and energy work, her transformational results orientated approach has seen her work with a variety of clients, including celebrities, CEOs, influencers, entrepreneurs, business owners, corporate, stay at home mums, and Glenn Marsden. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the limiting beliefs, fears, and barriers that restrict them from unlocking their natural energy code to reach optimum levels of success, wealth, and happiness they desire. She's appeared on Medium, Authority, Entrepreneur.com, Top Sante, Health Magazine, Thrive Global, The Awakening Giants, Docky Series, Good Housekeeping, BBC Radio, and UK Health Radio. So first and foremost, welcome, Kezia. Thank you. Thank you. So excited. So excited. And I had to to drop the little one. You've, you've, You've been with so many clients before, and I'm like, the amount of, since we've known each other, the amount of information and wisdom you've just dropped on me and helped me with and to take on such an audacious goal of being that vessel, as you would say, to help other people, it is a lot and it does get overwhelming at times. So thank you for being there for me. Um, But today is about yourself. So tell us a little bit about, just because you're the positive psychologist, I always like to know the person behind the profession, as you know. So tell us a little bit about Kezia where it all started, where this empathetic, as I would say, side came, compassionate side, to want to help people come from? Well, I think it's always been there. I mean, I think, you know, you grow up and you've always been there. I was the person that, you know, even as little girls sitting on the bus, little old ladies used to sit there and offload too, because, just because. Um, but my journey really started, I did all of the things that society tell us to do. I went and got, you know, a good job and did education and all of that good stuff. And everything changed for me after giving birth to my son. So I had um, something called SPD where my pelvis started to come apart when I was pregnant. And um, after giving birth to him, I had postnatal depression, didn't know it at the time, just thought that I was just completely and utterly losing the plot. Um, In hindsight now, looking back, I think, to be honest with you, it was the unraveling of all the conditions because I was a bit of a control freak still a tiny bit control freak um but it saw me um get a copy of the secret 
listened to it in my car and it was like somebody had suddenly turned the technicolor up on the on the world instead of being gray it was now in multicolor and from there i set up my first business which was a female-based concierge business helping busy corporate mums juggle the work-life balance so i had a team of 35 women that used to go in and and look after everything from making beds, unloading dishwashers, doing their weekly shop, making meals, looking after kids, whatever mums needed so that when they walked in through the door, they could relax and be with their kids. But you know, the universe has its little way and within five years I'd completely burnt out. Wow, it's, um, see it's funny because as, as I've got to know you and listen, it's, when it comes with a positive psychology and, and psychologists in the medical profession, like there's a conventional way. And then there's, there's a lot more people coming to fruition, talking more about their vulnerability and what they've been through themselves. And I think that is, is changing. Like what we've seen through COVID, there's, there's a massive reset and we're having to look internal. And I think it does come to, it doesn't matter what profession you do, we have to share these stories because it's what makes people have that commonality and resonate with each other. So I suppose, with yourself as a, a positive psychologist. I suppose to anybody out there that doesn't know what being a positive psychologist entails, can you just explain that a little bit for us? Of course. So historically, psychology has always focused on what's wrong with us, you know, and tried to fix it. And what positive psychology does is look at what makes people, organizations and communities flourish and thrive. So I like to think that I look for what's right with you. I look for your, your strengths and, and build them up. And it's interesting what you say there because even the so-called weaknesses, the so-called negative emotions, the, the things that we want to hide, there is so much power in those. And actually you go through them so that you can journey on and create you know, all of the tools that you need to be able to go where you're going. And so, um, yeah positive psychology focusing on what makes you flourish and thrive and it's a variety of different things one of the things that is definitely not and I'm seeing it a lot at the moment especially with COVID it's not toxic positivity where we just go just think positively and everything's going to be all right well it's funny you mentioned that I was going to go straight into that because everything you're saying <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just like it's like I'm up in a session with you here <laughs> which is amazing because we touched upon this this is one of my things because I did although I'm running this towards mental health and helping and equipping and getting associates to talk to people, it's kind of like what I'm doing is taking a lot on with a family. And then at the same time as that, people are going, yeah, you've got to continue being positive and move things. And it was only recently I learned that from yourself about this positive to um, toxicity. So like, <laughs> Yeah, I suppose, can you just delve into that? I mean, with our emotions, sometimes we have to experience it, but get the help if we don't know how to manage it. Well, the thing is, it, it's, it's another mask we put on when we, we, we step into the arena of toxic positivity. It's like, let's put the mask on of everything's fine, everything's good, just think positive, where actually all of this inner turmoil is going on. And negative emotions or these so-called negative emotions are, I believe are freaking amazing you know it's like having a um, alarm system on your house when your alarm goes off in your house it's to tell you that 
the security that you've built has been breached in some way. Something has changed. And the same with the negative emotion. When they come in, it's like, whoop, 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 alarm going off. Right, okay, so what's going on? So if your alarm goes off, you go around and you check your house. You go and find out why it's going off. Is there an error? Is there somebody trying to get in? And the same with negative emotions. When you feel them, don't discard them. And there's two ways that people tend to deal with negative emotions. One is to discard them and go, oh yeah, no, everything's fine. Don't need to worry about it. Let's think positively. Or the other one, which I think is, is, is a lot of where your work is, is when we stuff them down and we go, well, do you know what? Let's not, let's not talk about those. Let's just push them down. They've got to come out somewhere. So when we have those negative emotions tapping on our door, breaching our security, we need to explore them. They're there for a reason. They're there as a gift to say, do you know what, something's not quite right. So and so from, so from that perspective, when you look at them and you go, right, what isn't right? You can then start to ask some really good questions to explore why they're showing up and, um, and how you can shift and move on from them. So I'm really interested with, with that going further into that area with, with the books that you wrote, like Notes to Young Yourself and stuff like that. Tell us a little bit more about that because obviously, um, is it autobiographical? You're, you're talking about yourself in a sense there and bringing it all? No. So the, the Notes to My Younger Self came as a vision. Uh, I went out for a walk in 2016. It was Boxing Day. I'll be honest with you, I went out because I had a fuzzy head from Christmas. And I literally went out at five o'clock in the morning, got about five minutes on my walk from home and started to see images and hear voices and lots and lots of questions coming through. I literally went home, started typing on the computer and after an hour I had Women of Contribution which is my company which believes every woman can leave an impactful footprint just by being herself and the Pay It Forward series and the Pay It Forward series actually became my dissertation for my masters and and the idea behind it is that we all have those pivotal moments those moments in time where life shifts and change and it's normally those kind of not so good things and when we go through them there is a tendency as human beings to want to hide them especially if we have an image to portray you know depending on what level you are depending on what what job you're doing your career that kind of thing we want to hide them because we're embarrassed we don't want other people to know about it and my idea was well what magic is hidden in those stories and if we could go back and we could change the story that we created around them, would they then become empowering? Would they then skyrocket our success? Would they then change the future that we're living? And so the Pay It Forward series basically was I took 55 women from 15 different countries around the world through mind conditioning therapy, which is one of my modalities, to change the story around this pivotal moment. So it became empowering rather than disempowering. And then through the process, they write, wrote their story. And through the process, they released the emotional bondage to it. They released the shame, the guilt, the worry, the fear of judgment, because this book went out to the world, literally went out to the world. And the idea behind the book is that once you've finished reading it, 
There's space at the front, a little boxes where you can write your own message of hope and inspiration. And then you put a post-it note on the front of the book that says, this book's for you, read it, love it, pay it forward. And you leave the book for a stranger to find. And the idea is that the right person will pick up the book at the right moment in time. And our mission for that book is to positively impact on one billion lives worldwide. That really interests me. And do you often get any random emails to see how far that reach has gone? And I bet that's empowering, just seeing how far your message has gone. Yeah, well, we do. Sometimes we get them through and they're going, we, we found your book. Or, some, you know, quite often we, we have people that pay it forward to friends and family and then it goes off. Um, but we, we did a, I think it was a couple of years ago, we went out into a park in London and lots of the, the, the authors all came together. We were on Speaker's Corner, you know, they're reading from their stories and they were handing out the books. We were handing out free books to, to, to get the message. And I remember receiving uh, a message on LinkedIn that evening just saying, I was, somebody tried to give me a book. I didn't want it because, you know, quite often people think, oh my God, free stuff. They're going to sell me something. And I took it and I took it home. It gives me goosebumps even now. I took it home and I started reading it. And she said, and I've been in tears all afternoon because this is exactly what I needed to hear. And it, it, it doesn't even need to be the book. I, I was traveling back to Barcelona after a speaking event and this lady sat on the train with me going on the Heathrow Express and she'd come over from the Far East and was on holiday and we started, started talking and she said, well, what are you here for? And I said, oh, I've been speaking about my book. And I tried to give her an example because she just couldn't get her head around it. And I said, well, one of our lovely ladies, Debbie Moore, was walking in Costco one day to find her partner walking in the opposite direction with another woman. And she discovered that her, her, her partner had been living a double life. So I'm explaining this to this woman and she suddenly bursts into tears, like hysterical tears. And I'm just thinking, oh, right, what have I done now? And I said to her, oh my God, are you okay? And she said, the reason I'm here in the UK is we found out three weeks ago that my father had been living a double life. He had a completely new family in China. And my mum is so ashamed because she feels like she's the only person that's ever gone through this. And unfortunately, I didn't have a book on me. Um, but she went back, she bought, bought a book. Um, she then sent me an email saying, her mum's life has changed to know that she's not the only one. Wow. And that really goes to show you because when it comes to any situation or to do with mental health, at times when we're going through it, we do, we are ashamed to speak about it because we do think we're the only one that are experiencing it. So I think that's so important. Where can people find that book? Uh, it's on Amazon, whichever country you're in, there's volume one, two, and three. So the Pay It Forward series notes to my younger self. And, and like I say, there's, there's 55 women from around the world. We had um, two lovely ladies from The Secret, Marie Diamond and Marcy Shymoff. They got involved in it as well. So, yes, it's, it, it makes me so incredibly proud because I know when they first come to me, knowing that they are ready to tell their story to help other people, the trauma is still there. The emotions are still there. You know, even those that have gone, oh, I've worked on this stuff. I get that a lot. Oh, I've worked on this stuff. And they come in and, 
you know, I, I mean, I'm known as the book mum and they're my book daughters, but they, 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 they're used to coming in, releasing those emotions. So now many of them can go and talk about them on stage. They're not, they're not embedded in that emotion. They're able to tell the story knowing that it's going to connect them humanly to somebody else and change somebody else's life. I'm just sat listening and fascinated because like I, even I can tell and pick up, we talk about frequencies and energy all the time, but for me to listen to you and how you explain that, there's more than just being a positive psychologist coach and helping people. Like There's something intrinsically within you that you're just, it's like a legacy that you want to create. You want to make an impact on this world. And I, I love connecting with people like you know, like, like yourself. That, and it's all to do with stories. It really is, isn't it? You just don't see a person for what they do as a living. You see the human being. No. And, I, you know, we were just talking before we even started this because you'd posted a celebrity on LinkedIn and everybody was, like, commenting. And I was like, who is this? And I was like, I work with celebrities. But I... I I, I don't tend to watch that much TV, so I don't know. When somebody comes in, they're wanting me to hold the container for them. Mm. And I, I, I really don't care whether they're a stay-at-home mum or whether they're a multimillionaire. Yeah. Everybody has a story, and the, the same stories play out. You know, I often get um, women saying, well, you know, I am a multimillionaire, um, but I still have fear of losing money. Why should it be any different? Fear is a human emotion. Therefore, it's going to show up in lots of different people. Just because you've reached a certain level doesn't mean that it negates you having those emotions or having those feelings or having the same worries as everybody else. Well, there's something I wanted to touch upon there because there's something that I, I, I picked up on reading through your website and when I'm doing my research. And I think it goes to show there with with mental health or well-being or anything what i want to show through this campaign and these podcast episodes is like listen to everyone's story because if one thing doesn't work then have a listen to another thing and obviously go to a resource for the help but at the same time as that i want people to know that this is not a quick fix anything to do with well-being like you said is continual work and attesting to that you it's like Secrets that they have tried to ignore, shift or change. Repeating patterns of behaviors, thoughts and emotions that restrict them from stepping into the full expression of who they are, but they cannot tell anyone. It's constant work in it and evolution. That was so brief then, in it. In it. <laughs> in it, yeah. It, it is, isn't it? <laughs> um, it is constant work. I remember going to the first self-development um, kind of course or program and I came home and my husband went so you've done that now and I go no you're not understanding this you know we have this period of midlife between 35 and 60 where we have this awakening and we wake up and we suddenly go there has to be more to life than doing the nine to five going through the motions waiting for our two-week holiday there has to be more to life than this and then what happens in that midlife period is we then have to unravel everything that we've done in the first half of our life because of our societal conditioning, the heritage programming that we've brought through the generations. The second half of our life is all about discovering or rediscovering who we truly are. And that will continue until the day I die. I mean, I say to my husband, no, it's not done. It's only just beginning. And we sometimes have to hear things 
lots and lots of times. And sometimes we hear it at the start of our journey, we go, oh, we know that logically. But as we move through our journey and different pieces of the puzzle start to slot in and then we hear it again, we feel it. We feel it through every fiber of our being. It's no longer a logical thing. It's like we've activated a code within our body that goes, aha, yes. And then we start to live and breathe it. And it's the being that is, I think, really important. Everybody thinks it's the doing, you know, we've got to do something. We need to be something. And that something is ourselves. And it's the hardest thing in the world to discover who we truly are after we've gone through this conditioning. So powerful. So if there's anybody listening, when you, you, you're very outly spoken about when you went through your adversity after the birth of children, if there's somebody out there listening, for somebody who's career-minded and driven like yourself and then suddenly experiencing this, how, how was it that you approached help? Because at times when we try and we hide it and we see it as a secret, how for you in your experience, what was your thought process and what did it feel like as soon as you did speak out about it? I'll be totally honest with you. It gives me goosebumps even thinking about it. Um, I didn't realize that I had postnatal depression. I mean, I, I literally would phone up my husband who worked five minutes from the house and I'd be like, get your backside home now because I'm walking out the door. You know, I just needed to escape. I, it, and and uh, it, it just felt like everything was falling apart and I couldn't quite grasp anything, but I didn't know that everything was falling apart. And actually it was a friend of ours. It was a guy friend that as I was just coming out of it, I remember sitting in the living room and he said to me, if you don't mind me saying, I think you were suffering with postnatal depression. And suddenly the penny dropped and it was just like, oh my gosh, yes. And I had no idea. And it was interesting because that period of my life, I never discussed. And when I got invited to be part of a documentary series in San Diego, they asked us to speak on stage about something that we'd never discussed before. And so I wrote about uh, an instance that I had where I'd walked up the stairs to go and collect my children from their nap. And I could hear this noise, like, even now it gives me shivers, this blood curdling noise and thinking, oh my gosh, something is near my children. And it was only when I got to the top of the stairs and my daughter's room was there, she was three at the time. And I looked down and I saw her face and she had like a little tear rolling down her cheek that I realized the screaming was actually coming from me. And I just collapsed there and then on the floor. So I shared this on stage. Well, when I shared it on stage, my son would have been nine. So nine years, never discussed it with my husband, never shared it with a soul. And it wasn't like it was a dirty secret. It just didn't seem worth revisiting. And so I think when people go through these things, we all have different mechanisms of, of working through it. You know, I was talking to somebody yesterday about bulimia and, you know, we were talking about, well, when do you know when to get help? And for many people, they don't, they, there's not a defining moment where they go, I'm going to get help now. There's a series of events that leads them to that point. And the same with me kind of sitting there and going, oh my gosh, you know, it's postnatal depression 
and this is how it showed up in my life. Um, which is bizarre that I'd never shared it because I'm certainly not backwards and coming forward. You know, I, anybody want to know anything about my life, you can know about it, the good, the bad, and the downright ugly, because it's in the telling of those stories that we can connect to somebody else and we can change their life in some way. Well, and I think that even, even you saying that and, and sharing that vulnerability, I think because people on the outskirts would have seen you as that strong person, and I think it's the same thing as when they say the time old saying of checking on your strong friends, because even I, which is when I reached out to you that time, and I was like, I've hit a wall. I'm giving, giving, giving. And I think sometimes it's like people don't spot it in the people that are continuously going and, and doing things. They just see the external things. So I think it's obviously where there's a, a little bit of a gap is that those preliminary measures that are like, Sometimes we have to see those, those little changes, even if they are little. Because I once said to some friends, I was fine, but I wanted to see. So I said, you know, through all my visual mediums, I'm doing this campaign. I am taking on a lot of people's energy as well as my energy. And I could indirectly be telling you something through these images. Yeah. I'm okay, but I just want to see what you And they was like, oh, we didn't think about it like that. And I'm like, but that's fine. I said, but these are the sort of things. It's like little patterns and little habits that change in people that sometimes we are crying out, but we don't want to say anything. So I think it's just within your close group of friends and the strong ones, it's just paying that little bit more attention, I suppose, at times as well, isn't it? It is. And, and, and the human connection somehow, I mean, obviously, you know, we're in the UK, we're in lockdown at the moment, but that human connection has got lost mm. you know we we are very reactive in the way that we live our lives from the minute that we woke wake up and we grab our phones and we're we're drawn from beeps and alerts and things and you know we're very reactive mm. and we don't really slow down enough to be present in the moment to have that human connection you know, I remember my husband and I going out for dinner and we were sat at a, a table in a restaurant and there was a couple next to us and they were both on their phone. It was just like, well, what was the point in that? What was the point in coming out for dinner? Because were they texting each other? But to look in somebody else's eyes and one of the most powerful exercises I've ever done and also done for other people is get a room of people together and get them rotating round and spend a few minutes just staring into somebody else's eyes. You get a human connection like you would never ever get a human connection. Look at your friends, look at your family. Don't just look at what they're showing you, actually look and look them in the eyes and say, are you okay? Because at this moment in time, we're navigating these peaks and troughs of emotions. And, you know, we often think, oh, well, like you say, the strongest ones, oh, it's okay. You know, in my entrepreneur world, I've got some very strong people that I know that are out there changing the world for so many people. And they're putting their hand up and they're going, actually, no, I'm not okay. Mm. I'm not okay. And the more leaders that can do that, the more leaders, entrepreneurs, celebrities, world leaders that can say, do you know what? I too am human. I too have moments where actually I need to be bolstered on the wings of other people. 
then we can start to showcase to everybody that this is a human experience. You don't change being human when you do a worldwide movement or become a celebrity or, or make a gazillion dollars. You don't, you don't change. You're still human. You still have human things going on. Yeah. Simplest, simplest way to put it. I just think my, my hope is that obviously we touched upon it before is like this, this COVID we can't take away the severity of what's happened with it on the same side. It has reset a lot of things. It has made people look at communication again and connection because I think other than this, it might be behind a TV screen, but <laughs> like Zoom, but we are listening. We're listening them a lot more intently than we're just, like you say, reactive to things. I mean, I've been out in public before and you can look around and you see everyone on their phones. And it's, it, it is, what, what's the word? Dis, dis, disalarming or, or that kind of thing where you're just like, you're looking around and you're like, how far have we gone to the point where, and we've seen all these new applications and the whole idea we know behind science, technology and applications is to keep you fixated on them so that these big organizations can make that money, but it's taken us away. But I do like the new application, the clubhouse, because it's taken away the profession. Unless you're looking someone's bio, you're listening to people and it goes against energy. So I just got the last couple of questions for you because I know you've got to get on with your day. It's your early morning over there in the UK. What would you say out of everything you've learned and being that positive psychology coach, attesting to the campaign, what does being imperfectly perfect mean to you? Oh, do you know what? It's, it's about stepping into our U-shaped size hole in the world and knowing that nobody else can hold that space. So many of us are trying to replicate or, or we're looking at other people and we're comparing ourselves to other people. When you step into your U-shaped size hole in the world that only you can hold, nobody else, it doesn't matter what the outer world looks like, it doesn't matter the inner, inner turmoil that's going on. None of us are perfect. But as you say, we're imperfectly perfect. So there's this duality that's playing out. Our birthright is that we are expansive, beautiful human beings that are absolutely friggin' perfect. But we put on the cloak of society, of conditioning, of all of those things. Um, and that's the bit that often looks imperfect because we've forgotten the true essence of who we are. There's, there's a really good story, and I'm not sure who, who tells it, but it's of the Golden Buddha. I think it's in like Tibet or something like that. And the, the story goes that there's this Golden Buddha um, in Tibet but at the time, it looked like a clay Buddha and they needed to move it because there was a road going through. So they dismantled the, the, the frame that it was sitting under. This was a big thing and they were getting to move it. But that night there was rain. So they covered it in tarpaulin and the monk, monks decided to go and check on it because it was getting a bit windy. And as he came out and he lifted up the, the tarpaulin and shone his torch in, he saw a little bit of gold peeking through a crack in the Buddha. And so he went back and he chipped a little bit off and then he chipped a little bit more off and then he chipped a little bit more off. And he realized that underneath this 
this this statue, this mud statue, was actually a gold Buddha. And the story goes that many years before there had been a civil war and they'd covered this gold Buddha in mud to protect it because they didn't want the invaders to run off with their gold. We're like the golden Buddha. We start off as pure gold. And as we go through life, the kind of mud and the grime of being in society, of being conditioned, of being judged by all of these people get covered over us. What we need to do is start to chip away some of those bits so that we get back to that beautiful golden Buddha that we are. I love that. That's, oh, what a good bit of wisdom there. Just a good it's story. It's an amazing story. And I think it demonstrates so beautifully. If you look at baby, they know who they are. They know that they're absolutely, you know, God embodiment right there and then. And it's the conditioning, the society stuff that takes us away from that. And our job really is to tap back in, start chipping off. That's what my work is. I, I am, I'm the chipper offer. I chip off those bits so that you can see the true essence of who you truly are. Love it. Love it. So last question then I'm going to get, and I, I want you to, yeah. So with everything that you've done, if there's any wisdom that you can impart, I mean, that, how can you top that? That was amazing anyway. <laughs> or, like, because I, I can feel it off you straight away. Like, you, there's, there's more than just doing what you do as a profession. There's this legacy to empower people and to leave something behind. What would you say, and I won't say the, the time on question when it says, what would you say to your younger self? What would you say to any listener out there that may be going through something um, through your experience, because I always say make it personal experience. And yeah, just some last words. I think the thing to say is uh, a lot of us, where we are right now, we believe this is where the story ends. This isn't where your story ends. Whatever's going on in your life at this moment in time, this isn't where your story ends. This is where it starts. And everything that we go through is, is arming us for the next part of our journey. So if you imagine you've got a lovely map and you know where, you, where it is that you wanna go, and maybe for some of you, you don't, but everything that we go through is course correcting us. It's like, you know, the signposts. So when we go through the so-called bad stuff, there's a lesson to be learned. There's gold and magic to be found in those. So you take that and you pop it in your backpack and then you carry on going a little bit more and then something else comes and it might kind of swing you completely off in a different trajectory, but it's the right trajectory. And when we trust that the next step and the next step and the next step after that is leading us to where we need to go and that we're fully guided. And sometimes, you know, people think that our journey is going to look like that and it looks more like a winding river, mm. you know? And oftentimes we have to take a step back in order to go forward again. Look at an arrow. When an arrow pulls back to get the power, it has to pull back in order to be let go to have the power that it needs to go wherever it needs to go. And the same for us. So what I would really say to anybody is right now, this isn't where your story ends. Maybe this is your rest time and maybe this is your accruing the energy back up to be able to go again. Maybe this is your course correcting. But this is where your story starts, not where it ends. Boom. So, so powerful. So powerful. Oh, chat all day and listen to you. And hence, 
we spoke for like two hours <laughs> last time. Like, and yeah, I just think you're incredible what you do and, and what you're about. And I'm grateful our paths crossed and everything that you've taught me along this way. Where can people find out more about you through your socials, your website? So the easiest way is kazialuckett.com. I know it's difficult to spell, but I'm sure you'll put the information or just find me on Instagram or, or Facebook again, kazialuckett. Too easy, too easy. Well, guys, I just want to say all the links will be up when the episode comes out. So make sure to follow and uh, subscribe to the Imperfectly Perfect podcast so you can get updated on all our latest episodes, including this one. Just make sure you subscribe, like, and share because it's all about spreading the awareness. Keep having the hard conversations because it's the hard conversations, guys, that are going to save our lives. So thank you again, Kezia, and we will speak soon. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.